Hello and welcome to The Virtual Frontier, the podcast about virtual teams created by a virtual team. I'm Chris and I'm part of the team here at FlashUp. On today's episode, we have Berndt Gerup. Berndt is a C-level executive coach. Berndt, Manuel, and Daniel had an awesome conversation about leadership during a crisis or uncertain times. So here is episode 17 of The Virtual Frontier featuring our guest, Berndt Gerup. So hello, Bernd. Um, welcome very much to our new episode here at Virtual Frontier. I am really happy that we have you today as a guest. Um, let me uh, introduce uh, to our audience a little bit uh, about yourself. You are an entrepreneur, founder and CEO, uh, and you have worked uh, many years in the high tech industry. And back in 2009, you st- uh, 2009, you started as a C-level executive coach and speaker, but uh, Bernd, Maybe you want to tell us a little bit more about yourself and your background and from where you're coming and where are you heading with your business today? Yeah, sure, sure. Thank you, Daniel. Um, well, I'm, I, I studied electrical engineering and <clears throat> during my uh, PhD, after the studies, I uh, developed together with another friend of mine, a, a mechanical engineer, a sensor technique, and we tried to sell that sensor technique and no one wanted to buy it. So we were really frustrated and said, okay, let's, let's make a startup. So we started our first company, uh, got venture capital in, and after five years, we had 20 employees, and we sold the company then to a big international corporation. Now, if I tell you this in this way, it sounds like a success, but it wasn't, because we were in the five years we, we weren't um, profitable and uh, we had to sell it more or less. It was the year 2000 and it was a roller coaster, this kind of startup. Uh, we did a lot of things in the hindsight now uh, wrongly. So we were focused on engineering and not on selling and marketing, for example. So uh, we, it was, we, we were lucky to sell the company in 2000, end of 2000 um, to that big international corporation. And um, there I was then in charge of integrating my former company. And I was in charge to build the service business worldwide. And at the end, I was responsible for 350 employees all around the globe. It was a great time. But um, if you... Uh, if you were an entrepreneur, if you have been an entrepreneur and then you work for a big corporation, in the beginning that was great because they invested in us. But after about five or six years, the strategy changed. So then uh, it was not the right thing any longer to stay in that company. But it mm-hmm. still took me two to three years until I really decided to be on my own again and um so i quit my well-paid job in this corporate world and started my business in this time then as a leadership coach and to be honest in the first first years it was quite rough until i started my german podcast on leadership it's called führung auf den punkt gebracht that was in uh, 2013 and one year later, I started my, uh, I call that online leadership platform. There I help leaders to master their first leadership role. So 
online video trainings, uh, online workshops, online one-on-one -on -one coaching, everything included. And uh, that's my business today. And I'm doing this right now mainly in, in uh, German, but I also started to do that in English. Wow, quite a trip. So um, there, you have a big background uh, for the corporate world and then you changed again to be an entrepreneur after many years. Um, Bernd, uh, we want to talk today a little bit about leadership, leadership styles and, and how leaderships can help and uh, assist companies uh, in this uncertain times that we are um, right now in and uh, maybe what is ahead of us. So um, Bernd, could you tell us a little bit more about your approach when coaching founders and CEOs in special might, and might a bit about your, the most common struggles uh, CEOs or leaders from today's approach you with? Sure. The, the funny thing is the, the, the most common struggles I see with mainly all managers, all kind of uh, company sizes, or even all kind of levels is not really in the beginning how to lead employees, but how to lead yourself. So there are most of the people, most of the managers struggle with how to focus, how to have time for important but not urgent asks. So all the leadership tasks are not urgent normally there's uh, and that's a problem for them so like strategy take the time to make the one-on-one -on -one meetings with with their employees all of these things has to do with self-management and there i see a big issue for most of the um, managers today Of course, it's also how to delegate, how to accept that you should now not be the best expert any longer if you just started as a, a manager because your role has changed. Uh, all this comes together, but it starts the struggle with first have, take your time to focus on the really important things, which are normally not the ones which are urgent not the operative things. So find time, not for the operative, but for the leadership tasks. I would say that's the most common struggle I see with uh, founders, CEOs, but even with normal managers or, or leaders everywhere in all kinds of companies. Hmm. That's very interesting. So it's mostly about self-management and you have to start to train and educate yourself, right? Right. It's really about self-awareness i, I mm. would say uh, that also implies then what are my values what is my what are my expectations what's my why all these things you need to think about as a as a leader as a founder as a ceo if you don't have that that's like the base like the base ground if you don't have that Uh, and you want to lead people, <laughs> it's not working. Mm. They, the funny thing is very often when I'm doing workshops or when I talk to, to, to leaders, they, they think they just need the technique, but it's not the technique which makes a good leader. That's one part, but the whole technique will not work if this groundwork is not there. And that's self-awareness. 
That's uh, what are my values, expectations? What's my why? Uh, how do I deal with this daily incoming information overload? That's this self-management. Uh, that's, uh, I think, the most critical thing. Would you say, uh, as a, a coach uh, and the many years ex and experience you have, that this uh, has changed over the last year, um, these requirements that customers approach you with? Or is this something like continuously... It, it is continuously, but you are right. It's um, it it gets worse. Let me put it like this, and that's because the uh, how to focus and how to deal with distractions. This becomes more and more a, a bigger, bigger and bigger struggle. Uh, yeah, sure. And uh, of course, if we see it's uh, let's say 10 years ago it was just email today it's email oh something's coming up with slack oh there's a chat there's this there's this the distractions are increasingly a problem i think and today it's also more a mindset thing that uh, we are all running in, uh, we are all working in an environment which grew over the last have grown over the last 10 years. There's no bad experience with industry right now. Mm. This is just to come. And that's also something where I th think more and more managers say, oh, what happens if it's not growing any longer and they are not prepared? That's, yeah, that's interesting. The, um, and what would you say, in your opinion, defines a, a successful leadership style overall? Maybe especially having in mind these times that they are not so easy and more difficult right now and getting more complex and, and more disturbing. What yeah. would you say? What is like the basics? Make the, the basics, uh, yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> first of all, Especially if you are, uh, if you lead a team or if you lead a company, you need to have a clear. You have to be clear about when you need to lead in a cooperative work, a cooperative way, and when you need to be like authoritative. How is it called? Authoritative, I think. So you should, of course, most of the time, uh, be cooperative. That's in, in our world today, that's important because you're normally your, your employees should be the expert and not you. Therefore, you need to work. Therefore, you need to lead cooperative. You can't, in most of the cases, lead in an authoritative way because if you're the authoritative leader, then you need to know all the details, which you can't any longer, especially if we are talking about it, for example, the development team or something like that. Mm -hmm. That's, a, that's a, a, a one, one important part. But if we call, call, uh, talk about qualities, about um, uh, uh, what is important as a leader so that you are accepted as a leader, I think there, there, these kind of qualities are honesty, integrity, and dependability. Um, then you have a bigger chance that people really follow you. So you also need to be consistent and a reliable person, a trustworthy person. 
And one important thing, that's something I learned over the years, already in the beginning when I started in the big company, and that's you have to take decisions. And that sounds obvious. Of course, a leader takes decisions, but really take decisions. And to take a decision means you have to take a decision also if it's not clear, if that, yeah, it, it can be, it can go wrong. That's when you really take a decision. That's when you take, then when you take responsibility. And uh, there I see also a lot of people who say, ah, I don't have enough, I don't have enough information. I may, well, may wait. Sometimes that's okay. But much too often, it's not okay. They, are, they don't take the decision because they are afraid of the responsibility which comes with it. And there was one saying I learned from my first boss in FHG, is a company I sold my company to. It was my first boss. And he told me, you have to take decisions, but it's your responsibility. And that means as a manager, as a leader, accept to get fired. Mm -hmm. And that's something I... Uh, found very helpful to, to think about that. And also, if you don't lead, if you don't take the decision, who will? It's your responsibility. Right, right, right. Having those, those qualities in mind that we just talked about, do you think there's a, something that we can call a born leader? Or is this basically possible to learn for everyone that is uh, interesting or that wants to be a good leader? Mm -hmm. I, I think, I believe everyone can learn to be a leader. That it's more about that you have to answer the question, do you really want to be a leader? Because if you want, you want to be a leader, that means that you not just need to learn some techniques, how to manage or something like that, but that you have to work on yourself. We come back to what I said before, mm. uh, self-awareness. And that means that you uh, have to work on yourself. And that's sometimes, hmm, getting to know yourself can sometimes be not so nice. <laughs> you sure. have a special picture about yourself and suddenly it's not so nice. So you have to, have to accept this. And the second part of, for a lot of people who get into their first, get promoted into their first leadership role, they have to accept that they are not the best friend any longer of their team. They are now mm. the leader. They have a different role. And uh, it's, not, it's not about to be the best friend of anyone, uh, of everyone any longer. You're not part of the team. You are still part of the team, but in a different role. And that can also be tricky. And before you take this kind of responsibility as a leader, you should uh, think about that. Yeah. So perspective changes over the time. That's right. Um, that's interesting. Manuel, I have a question for you that uh, fits quite well. Um, as a founder of, of, of CEO uh, and CEO of Bright Solutions and FlashUp, you lead right now an uh, international team with in more than 30 countries. Um, how has your own role as leader changed in the recent years? And has, as a young entrepreneur, has, have you foreseen those changes that uh, right, are right now ahead of you? 
Oh, that's a good question. I could write a book about this, but first let me say that um, during your conversation and while Band was talking, I had a huge smile on my face all the time because <laughs> I experienced all these things in the past and I can only confirm that, yeah, everything is 100% right. It's not the employees that are the problems. It's not the market that are the problems. It's not other circumstances that are your main problem. The main problem is this one, your body, your mind, you. <laughs> and if you can't control this in a proper way, how will you lead other people? And to answer your question, Daniel, this is exactly what I experienced um, while starting as a freelancer, then growing as an entrepreneur, then growing to a global company with FlashUp. Um, in the very beginning, I was the resource, I was the leader, I was everything. I did everything by myself. And that was kind of easy because when I decided to do something, I always had to take the consequence just by myself. And then when you grow a certain amount of employees, then you have to take more responsibility and um, you have to deal with the fact that other people are not as you are. So I've employed other people and then I always assumed they think in the same way that I do. They follow the same vision that I do. They would do the same things that I do. That was totally wrong. I didn't even know that there are so many different characteristics in people that influence the results that much. I always thought, okay, this needs to get done. So just do that. And then emotions come into play and they, they, they just bring up other different results than I would have expected them. And that was, especially in the last year when we've grown to a global, global team um, that I've realized then culture comes into play. That is even mm. a different, um, um, another layer of complexity. And, mm. But it came always back to the point that if I want to lead other people, first I need to lead myself. And I can 100% confirm what Ben says. Taking a decision is not just making an Excel sheet, list all the facts, and then calculate is it good or bad decision and if it's a bad decision don't do it if it's a good one go ahead that's no how that's not how it works you have to make decisions on things on facts that you know and not on the facts that you want to know and that brings up a certain amount of uncertainty but anyway you have to take a decision and you have to take the risk and you have to take ownership and you have to take responsibility even if things go wrong and that's the real nature of taking a decision Oh. And exactly this is what brings you forward, what brings the whole organization forward. And if you have a leader that does not take any decision, just tells the team, we have a problem here, we need to do, we need to do. And the problem is we, nobody will do it. You as a leader have to do it. And this is something that is very, very important if you want to have progress in a complex world, in an ever-changing world with change that increases in speed every every day basically yeah. so right yeah we we uh had in our pre-talk a uh, burnt um a little bit of focus on um leadership in crisis so this was our mm -hmm. hang up i guess when we uh, started our conversation so um leading in a in an environment that isn't challenging might be not so uh, hard 
but uh, what happens when it's get when it's getting hard and maybe there is a crisis uh, up front um, so my question to you is, uh, would be um, watching the current economic situation and um, as, um, listening to the analysis uh, of the experts and everything so a uh, depression or some maybe full-blown crisis is um, coming up so how could executives uh, proactively get involved with that without falling in some kind of panic mode? How, how can they em embrace those situations and get ahead of mm -hmm. I would like to compare that to a captain who's on a ship. Yeah. Uh, what does a ship's captain do if, if he's at sea and he, he gets the information, oh dear, a big storm is coming? What will he do? Will he say, oh, dear, we all will die? It will not be really helpful. <laughs> <laughs> no. Nice. What he will do, he will say, okay, let's get prepared for the storm. He will prepare the ship. He will discuss actions with the crew. And he will, he will be the guy who stands there and has a, how can I say, a sovereign um, uh, position who, who people will trust uh, that this guy will lead us through the storm. I think that's the responsibility for the, the, the guy who's on, in charge. So be prepared. Uh, as an executive, any leader, entrepreneur or manager, they should work on in this situation in the form that they get prepared for it, like winter is coming. And uh, I think that's the main issue here. Uh, you, you, you will need to think in options. You will need to not just say, okay, that's our plan. Let's follow the plan. But it's more the agile uh, approach which will help you go through the storm. Mm -hmm. Could you get a little bit more in detail what you mean by get prepared by maybe yeah. a little bit more detail? Um, I think the point is... Uh, let you, you if if the if the if the shit hits the fan you need to think about what's the worst that can happen mm. so if you're now in a situation that you say holy crap we in the automotive industry it's going down it's already starting this company is bankrupt this uh company uh uh fires uh, employees uh what can we do so make make plans but don't rely on the plan. Make a plan and think in options. What happens if? What happens if? Uh, so that you can um, yeah, steer your company even in, in, in rough env environment. If let's say for how long time do you have for the next three to four uh, months if no um, orders come in? What can you do? Do you need cash flow? Do you need all, all these kind of things to be prepared and to have a plan what happens if these signals are coming? I think that's, that's an important part. That's more on the outside uh, preparation. The other preparation is more the inside for yourself. Like if, if something happens like that, if a crisis comes, it's important that you are... Uh, how can I say that you, you that you are in your strength? So you need to have energy and you need to be healthy. Otherwise, you cannot think clearly and your motivation level is low. You need to avoid this. And that these are very uh, 
how can I say, um, very normal things, regular things. So try to stay fit and healthy. Very important. And mm. is get enough sleep. If you don't have enough sleep, you make, you take wrong decisions. I observed that with myself so often and it's directly uh, uh, combined with less sleep is that my motivation is down. That I, if I hear something, uh, a critical situation, uh, I'm in a totally different mood if I don't have enough sleep. So also take regularly, take uh, time off, Take your time, not just for the operative, but take your time to think on the long term. Strategical uh, thinking is important in that uh, uh, way. So spend just time to get out of your normal way, to change your environment regularly. Uh, All this kind of things I think is important. And really, if then, as I said, the shit hits the fan, then Think always about what's the worst that can happen and how can you deal if the worst happens. Try to have options. See yourself then as the captain and don't panic. <laughs> it, it, it sounds very uh, broad, but I think that's the main issue. It's, it comes back to self-awareness. If, yeah. if you're in, a, in such a situation, you need to be... Um, uh, in a situation you need to to have this strength to think properly to think clearly and to make the best what you can do if the storm is there and the captain is on the ship he can't say oh stop stop we need to have a break it's not working no so you need to prepare for this time and then what if the worst comes to the worst even if the worst happen life will still go on is a saying but it's very true and I'm telling that because I went through these kind of times, especially with my first company. I fall down into a depression. Um, I, I took medicine, everything in the last year to, um, in order to uh, uh, get into these negotiations where we can, could so, sell the company. So all what I'm saying here, I lived through that. That's why I'm saying that's what helped me in such situations. Okay, so we got, don't fall into a panic mode, get enough sleep. Is there anything else uh, a leader from today should avoid when it gets to a crisis situation? I think that the point is that the people will look on you. They will uh, look how are you, how do you uh, behave? So you are, you can, you can steer uh, your ship into the right direction when you are, I wouldn't say a tough guy in that uh, era, but if you say, okay, I accept the situation and let's see what we can do. That's our plan. That's where we're going. Take the decisions. If the other team members look at you and see that you panic, then the whole team is panicking. That's why I think that's the most important part. Be prepared and don't panic. No. Manuel, with which mindset helps you in your daily practice as a CEO and founder to deal with such difficult situations and times? 
<laughs> yes, I can. I can again confirm that because uh, for me there are three main components that keep me up every day and that help me to not panic. So the first thing is in fact get enough sleep. That's totally true. When I just slept five or six hours, try to sleep always eight hours. Uh, if I sleep less, then my mind does what my mind wants, but not what I want. <laughs> I I usually try to see my mind, my ability to think as a tool. So, but if this tool does just something, then I lack focus, then I take poor decisions or wrong decisions. And most importantly, I can't lead anybody else. So, because leading other people is most likely somehow leading their minds, helping them to find to find the right decisions, to focus on the right things. But this requires, I need to do this by myself first. The second thing is sports. I do sports every day, at least either in the morning or in the evening. But if I do it in the morning, I'm fresh. I feel, I feel healthy. I feel strong. I feel prepared for the day. And then things can come as they go. Mm -hmm. um, I also talk to, um, talk to my wife daily, she helps me getting coached. She just asks me questions if I'm too deep into some problems and I don't see the positive things again. I don't see the big picture again. Then I, I stop my working day and I think, oh, this was a horrible day. I had so many problems. Nothing works. That's not true. Even if you feel nothing works, that's not true. Just step a little bit outside of this problem zone and watch what you accomplished, watch the big picture and talk about it. That's why I love this podcast because I always see, okay, we are heading into the right, into the right direction. There are other people that think and feel and act this way. Of course, bad times, they, they are always there or problems are always there and difficult issues are also always there, but they only become hard for you if you want to see them from the right direction. In every problem, there is a chance that sounds like, okay, I heard this every time, but it's so true. It depends on, uh, for example, an important employee leaves. So you can either say, oh, why does he leave? I'm so disappointed. Why is, why is he leaving? I did everything to make him stay, whatever, whatever. So everything is a problem for the situation. Mm -hmm. But if you look at the other side, you could also say, hey, we had a great time like two, three, five or whatever years. And now there is a time to bring fresh wind into the company, finding somebody else I'm excited about. And this person is excited about the company. So let's make this a new start. It's the same fact. It's the same situation. It's just a different angle of the perspective, how you see things. And this is uh, the other important thing. Yes. I can fully agree that, uh, especially the two things you said, uh, the different perspective is a very important. And here's, again, you only get this different perspective if you're healthy, if you're fit. If, if you aren't, if you're sleepy, you don't see that different perspective. And the second thing, what I also liked very much, Manuel, is uh, that you say uh, you need to talk about it with someone outside of your team. Mm. Um, and uh, you, you, I experienced the same that my wife was a very um, big helpful uh, for uh, was very helpful for me, especially in these critical times because I could talk to someone in a way I can't talk to my team because the team I can't tell the team 
I don't know exactly where we are heading right now. I'm not sure what to do. These situations where you're, where you're down, you don't want to show that to the team, but you need someone to talk to. So I think that's a very important issue, yeah. And to both of you, maybe uh, questions from your own perspective, Manuel, as a, as a CEO in a daily business and uh, you burn for, from your perspective as a coach, how well is the majority of the managers prepared to lead teams and employers through difficult times? And do companies in general have this in mind when it comes to educate their leaders? You first, Brent. <laughs> <laughs> to, be, to be honest, I think most of the managers, most of the leaders, they are not prepared, they are not educated. Only few companies I know really put enough time and effort in education of their managers. That's the first thing. Um, what I observe in small and medium-sized companies is that most of the managers are not prepared and even a lot of the younger entrepreneurs are not prepared because also that there was no crisis in the last 10 years. They don't have the experience with the crisis in most of the cases, especially if they are not entrepreneurs, but if they are, um, um, if they are um, managers in a company, then if they are, if they are employees, then in the last 10 years, there was no crisis. So if you're, let's say, uh, 32, you haven't seen the crisis. And that's the, that will hit us. Uh, if we get into a crisis, I think that that will be tough uh, here in Germany, talking about Germany. Yeah. So some, uh, to sum that up, uh, no, I think we are not well prepared. And I see a lot of managers and entrepreneurs not educated to really lead. Mm, yes, what, I, what is my opinion is that most organizations in, I don't know in, how it is in the world, but I can talk for German organizations, German companies that I know that I worked with and that I've experienced. They are not made for flexibility. They are not yeah. made for catching opportunities. They are made to preserve the status quo and to avoid risk. Yep. That's what they do. And you see that in the culture. So most companies are hierarchical. There is like a CEO, then second level management, third level management, then you have the employees on the front line. And what typically happens is that everyone tries to save his own ass. <laughs> they try to make decisions so that they can't be blamed. They try, whenever there is a problem, they try to find the reason and they try to find whom to blame. But this will not move you forward. There might be an opportunity within this situation that you see as a problem, but you are not able to catch it because you're spending your time with finding the person to blame. And then you try to talk to this person and what will you do next time to prevent this and so on and so forth. And this person is like, oh, I, I can't move anymore because now everyone is pointing fingers to me. Will I lose my job? So they are not able to act flexible. They are not able to catch an opportunity while others do it. And yeah, this is the same in a crisis. There is always an opportunity in a crisis. Mm -hmm. I mean, I just founded, I started my company in 2008, 2009. So, uh, nine, so I, 
I didn't really experience it, but I saw it around me. And um, there is a concept of anti-fragile and anti-fragile is a concept where a company is made to really catch an opportunity in any phase of a market. So mm. when the market is high, they are able to catch opportunities. When the market is low, they are able to catch opportunities, but this requires a high amount of flexibility. And when I'm talking about flexibility, I mean the mindset of the managers first. They need to be flexible if they want more flexibility. But this is what I don't see in 99.99% of organizations in Germany. I fully, fully agree. Especially, uh, I think this is also a speciality of Germany in a positive way as well, that we are very good in small things which we make better and better. But what's needed in such crisis, you said it is flexibility. It's a, uh, you need to change things quickly. And that's not in the DNA of most of the of the German society. There are a few exceptions. Mostly these are small entrepreneurs with small companies, but the big companies, the, the 80% or even 90% or more of uh, the population in Germany is based on, we want to be secure. And that <laughs> yes. doesn't fit with flexibility. Absolutely agree. Yeah, this is, this uh, describes it best. Is this uh, something companies could adapt with? Because I, I think there are so many smart people in these mm. big corporations and enterprises. Um, how, how they could might uh, get ahead of that? I think the, the smaller the company, the better the chance that you can do that. The bigger the company, the more problematic it is. Um, being, I was in a small company, I'm working with small companies, but I also uh, worked for a big corporation. Everything takes much, much longer, which is understandable. Um, and if you want to change something, it takes so long in a big corporation. That's why I think if a real crisis comes, that will be really tough for the big companies and the flexibility and this, uh, what you said, anti-fragile fragile, um, mindset also is easier to implement if you have one or two leaders who go for that in a small company, let's say a 50 or 100 employee uh, company than in a 10,000 or 20,000 uh, employees uh, company. Right. Yeah, absolutely agree. So it must, it must be started from the top management, from the top leadership. Um, if they don't, if they don't do it properly, if they don't take time to focus on the important things, and the important things is how to convince other people, how to make them experience that this direction is the right one. Not just tell them this is the right direction, but show them, make them experience why this is the right thing to do. If this is not done properly, then, yeah, I didn't do this properly. So I, I know why, <laughs> why I talk about this. I, I, I just had something in mind and I, and I had a clear plan how I want the company to be. I want to be uh, full transparent. My people that work with the company, no matter if it is freelancers, full-time employees or whatever, they should feel independent. 
they should have a clear purpose of what we are doing. So like changing the world of work with virtual teams, putting flexibility in the first place. But I just did it. I just had a meeting and I said, guys, see, this is the, this is the new company. This is the new Bright Solutions. This is the this is Flash Up that will drive Bright Solutions into this direction. Then everyone was okay, somehow excited, but also very afraid because of change, simply of change. Mm. I didn't prepare them well, and then I fired some and others left because it was not the company anymore that they decided they want to work in. It's a completely different company with a completely different culture. And at this example, it required different people. So, yeah, mm. I would not have been there with my experience where I'm right now. It would have taken much, much longer, I'm sure, even with only 30, uh, 43 people. Um, but maybe more people would be on board. What I did right now is I completely changed everything. And it's like building up a new company with new people, new tools, new workflows, yeah. and so on. But yeah, it was worth doing it. I would just would not recommend it to others because the <laughs> dynamic is very, very high. I would like to add something here. And this, uh, because you described it very nicely, you were the owner you could change things. Uh, if, if you're a CEO of a big company, you're still an employee. Mm. Even if you think you can, you, this needs to be changed. This needs, a disruption is coming. We need to change our total business model as a 100,000 employee company, a corporation. And if you want to do that, even if you find the people, if you have a vision, even if you find the people inside the company who would follow you, it still would mean in most of the cases that you need to invest. That could mean in a big company, which is on the stock market, that you say, okay, our turnover will slightly go down. Our profit will go down uh, by 50% for the next two years, but then we will grow again. And the stock market will not follow you. No. So well, we also the other owners, the shareholders will say, are you crazy? Don't do that. So that's where I see a big problem in, in, in our world today for the big corporations. They, even if they see they need to change, they can't because that would mean that they need to invest in a way which a real owner can do because he says okay in the next three four years it will be tough i need to invest but uh, i will do that but if you're on the stock market the stock market will not be will not uh wait that long they want to have quarterly results and that's why you can't do that is there is there any approach or idea maybe both both of you um that could help those enterprises and big companies to be more agile and getting in those directions, young entrepreneurs or smaller companies uh, can help? This time, Manuel, you first. <laughs> yes, I, I mean, I see that there are some um, corporate startups. So that usually is a good approach to experiment, to yeah, to experiment, to build up new products that, and, and most importantly, to create a new culture. Because if you have a small new corporation that is um, maybe owned by the big one, by the mother corporation, but um, 
it's built up from scratch with an idea. Maybe they have access to all the resources that this large corporation has, but they should build up a new idea, make their own experience. They should be able to um, build their own culture that is built for flexibility instead of avoiding risks. So this is what I see what corporations do. And I think this is the way to go. Uh, I think they try to do that. And I, I understand that way. Makes sense. But the real problem comes later. Because if you have a big corporation, they have their own channels, sales channels, everything that processes. And then now they start a small company on the green field. And I agree, agree. They, are, they need to be out of the others and they will be successful. But now think about it. You have a big corporation, 100,000 employees, billions of sales, and then you have a small company and they grow, they grow quickly, excellent. But after two or three years, they have 100, even if they have 500 employees, even if they do 100 million or 50 million uh, euro sales. And the big corporation is still doing 10 billion. <laughs> you don't have a chance to integrate them. Or you, if you integrate them, this company will become the same like the big corporation. And the but does this company have to be integrated? Yeah, but if it's not integrated, it will not have an influence on the, on the other part. So, exactly. So the only part there it would be, in my opinion, to have more decentralized uh, companies inside the company, then this can work. But that still leaves this big corporation with the problem that they say, okay, we have here a small company and it's growing, but what are we doing with our 100,000 employees? They will not change that quickly. They, we will not change the culture, even if we have this um, uh, small company who sh exactly shows us how to do it. We, we will ca can't do that. There I see a problem. And to be honest, I don't have a solution for it. The only solution I can think about is that uh, it's like in life, maybe a big corporation then needs to die and yep. uh, others come up. That yes. might be the solution. And maybe the big corporation has a small child that is growing up bigger and then this will survive. Yeah. Uh, but let me put this in a very critical phase. Um, you say that if there is a corporation with 100,000 employees and they are in the company like for the last 10, 15, 20, or even 30 years, yeah. won't change their mind. Yes, mm -hmm. I agree. So now there are two opportunities. Either let this large corporation move forward into the same direction as it does and then potentially let it die mm -hmm. or create a new startup that is the new child of this corporation grows bigger 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 and will survive or would it be the solution just to release a large amount of those people in the company legally that's not possible um, pay them something like um, the, in Germany, bedingungsloses Grundeinkommen or so, mm -hmm. and then replace them by people with a new mindset. So, of course, this is still a large change, but would this be a solution from your perspective? I hope it, it will not be necessary in that way, because that if, if things like that happen, in my opinion, if you look on a society, we are not talking now about companies, but we're talking about the society. 
if a society has 5% who are uh, not able to, to work inside uh, the society uh, to, 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 to earn their money, that's one thing. But if you have, let's say, 30, 40, 50% who you say, well, you are not in inverted commas worth to work for companies because we don't need new you, that's, that's terrible. That's really tough. So I hope that we have the time to change, to get most of the people educated in a way so that they still can work in, in, in companies. But if, it's, if, if we don't pre are prepared as a society, and I don't see that right now, then this will be a disruption which is really tough for the whole society, which can go in all kinds of directions, uh, which can even destroy our democratic way how we live and uh, i'm not sure if the grundeinkommen is the solution for that i i, I just don't know mm. yeah i also don't know <laughs> <laughs> and i i, I, I uh, even if, if even if if it can be um paid properly even if that's the case um i'm not sure if if that's really where we should heading Mm. Uh, as I said, I, I don't have, uh, I'm thinking about that and I don't know exactly how to be prepared for this direction. Only to tell the people, hey, put yourself as a person in that situation, that shoes that you have options, learn new things. On the other side, that's great for people today. Even if you said, well, I'm doing this job for 30 years. So what? Go on YouTube, go on Google and try to learn something else. Totally different. Uh, if, you, if you were uh, uh, an engineer, a mechanical engineer at uh, VW and you're doing now, you can do something totally different. I just uh, was amazed to see, uh, um, I don't remember his name. He has a YouTube channel called The Rasenfreak. Mm -hmm. So he's a guy who um, has built a video channel, YouTube channel, all around, um, how is it, the green. green. Uh, the gr uh, yeah. So wh where is it? Well, what? Uh, no, that's his hobby. And he makes this hobby as a, can make a business out of that. He has more than 25,000 subscribers on his YouTube channel and just started, I think, two years ago. Wow. So uh, he can think about if I don't like to work uh, with a big corporation any longer, or if I see the big corporation wants to fire me, I have something else. But I don't. But the, most of the people are, don't think like that. They don't think in options. That's exactly. what I think so, needs to change. All what you're saying is what I would hope that people I'm working with do by themselves. So. If you have a problem, then just ask somebody if you can't solve your problem by yourself. There are plenty other uh, resources out there, either in the company or on YouTube or wherever. Yep. So solutions, information is everywhere in place. You just need exactly. to catch it and you need to use it and then solve your problem. But this requires ownership. You need to understand yep. it's your problem. It's not somebody else's problem. Correct. Don't give the monkey away to somebody else. But uh, yep. yeah, this is changing people and you can't change people. No, you can't change, but you can try to um, uh, 
uh, how can I say, to, to motivate them to go into this direction. So if they are afraid, if they say, oh, we don't have security any longer. Yeah, deal with it. That's a way how you can do it. And we have a big advantage uh, compared to people 20, 30 years ago. There it was difficult. Today, mm. all information is available. You need to do you need to to have to start something new to learn you i'm convinced that if you are able to learn by yourself you you even wouldn't need to go to a university any longer you mm -hmm. can learn anything uh, uh, because the information is on your fingertip which mm -hmm. was not there 30 years ago i just found found 2 days ago a, a website where they just recently published over 600 or 800 courses uh, in different universities all around the globe where right. you can get free courses in any matter from engineering over IT, human resource, uh, what history, you, you choose the topic, you know, so and you, you get uh, their knowledge for free, you, know? you just yeah. have to look for them. It's just a matter of do you want to spend your time uh, five hours to watch uh, Netflix yeah. or do you really uh, dig into a, a subject which where you are really interested in, with, with which you are really interested in and, and, and then try to learn things and then adopt it in, and make a business out of it or be prepared for the next job uh, where they hire you because you are the expert on something you just learned on that. Yeah. To wrap this up today, um, I think we talked about uh, learning and continuous learning. Is there any practical tip or insight which can help today's leaders or entrepreneurs become an inspiring leader or uh, inspiring leadership personality in these unpredictable times? Uh, what would that be? Could you give us an insight about yourself? We talked about learning. Is there anything else you would can mm. you would can say? Um, in general, for the um, for all the people, I would say my two cents here for, for for all of the people, managers as well as employees, it's some kind of tough love. Be prepared and think in options. And the second one for me is security is an illusion. The more secure you want to be, the more in danger you are. They are is no real security in life. Deal with it. We have options. We talked about what, what's uh, available. Now for the leaders, uh, if you are a leader, show empathy, be a trustworthy person who others can rely on. And uh, if you do that, you, you create a safe environment for your team and your team members. Uh, that also helps you in these kind of situations because if there is a safe environment your employees are more open to talk about problems and failures and you want to know about problems early enough when they occur so that's what that's all my two cents on that yeah what i would say is um reward people in your organization for taking risks yeah very good and make give them a stage for sharing their experience so don't force people to take risk because uh, or tell them you have to take risks you have to you have many options so just try something but they will only learn from experience not from telling them and it's also possible if 
um, some some people, some leaders, or whoever in the organization took risk and succeeded with that, maybe failed five times, doesn't matter, but succeeded at the end. Make this experience available to others and share it with others so that they can learn by listening from them. And then, yeah, they will probably understand that, okay, our culture in the company is not about blaming anymore because this person failed five times and then succeeded. And failing five times does not mean you fail at the end. So failing is a way, is the process to succeed at the end. If others can experience that within the organization, I think that is a, a, a huge step forward. Mm. I fully agree. That's a good point. Yep. Great. Thank you both so much for this interesting talk. It was uh, really enlightening. Um, Bernd, uh, when uh, people would like to get in touch with you, young entrepreneurs and uh, founders, how could they possibly find you and get in contact with you? I have the big advantage that my name is uh, very seldom. <laughs> my <laughs> last name, Gerob, G-E-R-O and double P. So if you Google me with Bernd Gerob, you'll come to all my uh, website uh, websites like Mehr Führen, where I have the podcast Führung auf den Punkt gebracht, or also my English podcast, my English YouTube channel, or my German YouTube channel, all about leadership. So that's the best way to get in touch with me. Yeah, and of course, you're going to link those in the show notes so people Excellent. Thank you. have it more easy. Okay, so um, thanks again, you both, and uh, see you next time here on Virtual Frontier. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. I'd like to thank our guest, Bernd Gerop, for joining us today. You can find out more about Bernd on his website and podcast that are linked in the show notes. For those of you in Germany, you're not going to want to miss the Virtual Teams Live experience from Flash Hub on December 12th, 2019. There's going to be keynote speakers talking about different aspects of new work as well as food and drinks. It's going to be an awesome night. There are only 50 spots available, so register now using the link in the show notes. You can subscribe to The Virtual Frontier or leave us a review at Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, or anywhere else podcasts are found. On behalf of the team here at Flash Hub, I'd like to thank you for listening. So until next episode, keep exploring new frontiers.